0: In the last chapter of the book, I point out everything I know about couples therapy is wrong too, yeah. <laughs> because what I'm saying is if you think you know for sure, if you're ideological rather than having ideas, that's that becomes a problem. That becomes a problem when therapists become ideological, you know, it it's, it closes your mind. Like I have my favorite ways of thinking about this and I'm going to fit you in that category whether you like it or not. That does not help people.
1: do you ever envy those so-called hashtag couples goals?
2: Well, you know, when you first fall in love with someone, you get butterflies every time you see them.
1: You lust them.
2: You're infatuated with them.
1: You want to be with them all the time, like best friends.
2: Do you want that to last forever?
1: And still live your best lives, as long as you're willingly and consistently discover each other in new ways. And that right there is what the show is all about. We're Nina and Roger.
2: And this is The Real show. show.
1: Yeah, baby. Hello again, everybody. My name is Roger, as you know. And I'm here with my extraordinarily beautiful wife, Nina. We are that heels show. That
2: was a long. <laughs> <laughs> You're so cute. I love you.
1: So, how was your week, baby?
2: Um, you know, I started with a lot of stress, <laughs> and uh, it ended with a lot of fun. You, you know, so, so I we can't had complain.
1: Our, we had our kitchen floors and most of our basement ripped up because of a flood. So the insurance came here and took care of that. So, I mean, our lovely kitchen is not so lovely anymore. And it's a little stressful.
2: Well it is. It's to have broken, you know, you're yeah. worried about everything and you have to work in this environment and you know.
1: And by accident, we kind of booked two days out back to back, which we never do. Never. We never ever want to go out two days in a row ever again. It's, <laughs> it's a little bit uh hard to do when you're in your forties.
2: Yes. But we, I mean we could still handle it, but we don't want to. <laughs> We went out on Friday. I mean, we did have a stress couple of weeks, so we're like, you know, we talk about this all the time. So we should be actually we can't just preach it, we actually have to live it. Yeah. We can't let the stress consume us, our relationship, our every day of the week. Mm-hmm. So we said, Fuck it, we've been stressed out for two weeks over this and we're working through in this environment and doing it all. Let's go release some tension. Yeah.
1: So our plan our plan was to go out Saturday. We yeah. were always planning on going go out Saturday, go out yeah. for dinner and, you know, dance, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, we completely forgot about Friday. Friends were in town and we couldn't say no, so we had to go. And we went and we had a good time and we had a few drinks. We didn't stay out super, no. super late.
2: No, it was a, it was a quick in and out kind of thing. It was fun.
1: But Saturday, on the other hand, we got a little carried away. <laughs> we got a little carried away because of, you know, some of our... You know, really, really, really nice and extremely generous TikTok friends decided to feed us as many drinks as we possibly could.
2: That tequila was so bad the entire Sunday we both. It's so a much shot shit. right the, yeah.
1: Shots you don't realize you take a shot and it hasn't gone through your system. So if you take another one, you know that's like two back-to-back drinks. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> I, I I don't remember going home.
2: Well, luckily we have Ubers. Yes. We don't have to worry about that ever. Jeez. But it was a great night. We had a good time. We enjoyed Not so some, good on
1: Sunday, but
2: No, but we enjoyed some really fun time with our friends. Yeah. A lot of friends came by the, you know, we every time we go out we end up having a table of two it ended up being a table of twenty. <laughs> because we have, we know so many people that come around and we have so much fun with them. We yeah. danced and drank.
1: Bumped into a few people from the gym. Oh, that's yeah. pretty good. You paid for
2: good. it on yeah. Sunday, but you know well, and on Monday. <laughs> well, ouch. Yeah. But listen, that's what we talk about all the time. Stress is inevitable. It's going to happen. Life has got ups and downs. You got to take it easy. You got to have fun sometimes and enjoy it.
1: You got to throw in some fun. You always got to throw in some fun. Maybe this isn't your idea of fun, whatever it is, your idea of fun, you got to try and include that in your, I don't know, weekly or including your life every once in a while so that.
2: Well, I was just talking to a friend of mine who was up in, uh, up in Blue Mountain, which is a ski resort, and they were saying, yeah, I mean, this is our fun thing what we do to lo- love to do is mm-hmm. go up skiing for the weekend, and that's our, like, relaxing, stress-free time. Absolutely. So that's yours. Do that. Do, you know, go and, I don't know, get a spa day. Whatever it is, go have fun. Just release some of that stress. Yeah. Because it's good for your marriage, I promise.
1: It's good for your life. It doesn't matter if you're married or not. Just make sure you're, you're including some fun in your life because... You know, it, it, I, I'm not so worried about the floors being damaged. I'm not so floor worried about, you know, losing a whole Sunday because we were hungover and tired, even though I had to work doing some open houses and stuff. It wasn't uh, it wasn't very good. I stayed a, a good, you know, six feet apart and had nothing to do with COVID. I just, I didn't want to smell the Casamigos off my breath because <laughs> like, no matter how much I brush my teeth, I, that stuff was just coming out of my, my system. Too much tequila.
2: Okay, no more tequila for you. No, hell no. But it's once in a blue moon. We don't do that all the time, so it's okay. It's fine. But let's talk about today's show, baby. Yeah. Today we have some special guests on. There's Their husband and wife, Dr. Bruce Chalmer, and his wife, Judy Alexander, are couples therapists, as well as fellow podcasters.
1: Fellow podcasters, they're, they're, they're um, therapists. Well, he's a ther- therapist, but what I love about it is... He practices what he preaches. Yes. He's got a spectacular marriage. You can tell just by listening to them that they're so much in love and in sync with each other.
2: The energy so, is contagious when you preach. Know.
1: Practicing what you preach, you know?
2: Yeah. So they are here today to talk to us about Dr. Chalmers' new book. It's called, It's Not About the Communication... We talk about that all the time. You actually have an episode on that.
1: Well, this is why they reached out to us. They yeah. said they said that you know we, they were they were listening to some podcasts, some you know other relationship podcasts, and they came across ours. And Nina had made a comment that it wasn't. It's not always about communication. It's about what you say and what you do. And
2: how you communicate. So, yeah. yeah,
1: and and that triggered them to give us a call because of his book.
2: (laughs) It's a great episode, you guys. We learned tons from them. They're a little ahead of us, so they have a lot more experience in all of this, but they do exactly what we do. They talk about how to be, how to have a long and fun relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, which is amazing. So listen all the way to the end because they're so good and uh, they're so lovely.
1: Oh, and uh, we're going to be on their podcast um, next month at some point. We'll let you know, but... Um, you know, they're going to be interviewing us as well. So, so
2: with that further ado, you guys, welcome Dr. Chalmer and his wife, Judy Alexander. Yeah. All right, Bruce and Judy, welcome to Head of the Hill Show. We're so excited to have you on here today. <laughs> well, thank you. We're very excited to be here.
0: We're delighted.
3: One thing that intrigued me about you guys is, I mean, Nina and I, obviously we have this podcast. Uh, we're hundred and somewhat episodes deep. And a lot of our talks that we have with either guests or ourselves, we talk about communication all and right. how it's important to have in a relationship that some people are lacking. And then I see your book that says it's not about the communication. <laughs> yep. Exactly. We might as well delete all our episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and no, you don't have to do that.
4: Actually, you, know, you don't. You know, you, you've talked about that.
3: As a matter of fact, one of the episodes
4: that we were listening to, Nina, you actually said it's not about communication when you, the one, it's competition. Yes. So, but I'll let you talk about it since it's your book,
0: Bruce. Well, I, I I would, I will tell you when I heard that. That's when I said to Judy. Judy was listening to it. You know, we we like Ed, you probably do this too. We check out other podcasts and, you know, but possibly with an eye toward either inviting you to be on ours or being on yours. We've actually, as you know, we've as your listeners don't know yet, but we've invited you to be on ours as well. So you've got to talk don't about wait. that in a few weeks. <laughs> so um, and so what are we looking for? You know, interesting folks, and you guys certainly are interesting folks. And I heard, so we're listening to this one, and I hear Nina saying. It's not actually about communication. And I'm my ears perk up because I just published a book called It's Not About Communication. And it's exactly what you were saying. And I was so impressed because I said to Judy, wow, you know, we got we to gotta get in touch with these folks because I hadn't heard anybody say what I said to Judy was either she's read my book or she's written it. Uh, because <laughs> <laughs> because that, uh, that's exactly the point you were making was exactly the point. People are communicating. Everybody comes to me. You know, this is kind of the premise of the book. Everybody comes to me. I'm a couples therapist, by the way, just for your listeners. Just I'm a guess, couples. Therapist. Why don't you introduce yourself and
2: let us know who you are? And our yeah, we should do that, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm a couples therapist. I've been uh, doing couples therapy for what thirty years, counting my internship. So it's a long time, and in private practice. Well, you can say
4: okay, 100%. and I'm, I'm a teacher, a retired educator. Um, I'm currently uh, I've published playwright, and I'm currently doing some short story writing. And I also uh, tutor student, children and adults for Bar and Bat Mitzvah.
2: Very you know, nice. And how long have you been
0: married or together? We've been, we're, it's funny, we're coming up, our anniversary of meeting is 20 years coming up in uh, February. a few weeks, in right. February, and we'll be married 19 years in June. In
2: June.
0: Amazing. So we're a second marriage. We right. each had, you know, kids from a previous marriage. And so which, which also, we, we talk about a fair amount on our podcast as well.
4: So anyway, you were saying about communication. Yeah, indeed. Get back to so, that?
0: yeah. so in terms of, um, I realized as a couples therapist, I, I did a sort of a seat of the pants guess is about two thirds of the folks, just roughly two thirds of the folks that I see in a first session will say something like, hey, we need help with communication. We're not communicating well, you know, we keep getting into fights or we keep getting into these long silences or whatever. And can you give us some rules? to help us communicate. And if you google that, you know, rules for communication, you will find a bazillion websites right. give you all these wonderful rules and some re- and and the vast majority of them I haven't looked at the bazillions of them, but the ones I've looked at, they all look pretty good. You know, they're not saying things that I think, oh that's ridiculous. And there's all kinds of techniques people can learn. You've probably heard of, you know, active listening and i statements and nonviolent communication is a whole thing and And I have great respect for all of those things. The trouble is they have it backwards because what they are saying, and you know, I'll bet you've heard of John Gottman's research. He's very well known in the whole, right? Everybody talks for good reason. He's great. I I quote him all the time. John Gottman's research will tell you what a couple looks like when they're doing well. This is how they communicate when they're doing well. The fallacy everybody bumps into though, is they think if you imitate People, how they communicate when they're doing well, you will therefore do well. And that's not true. If you imitate people who are doing well and you're not actually doing well, you will still be communicating, say, anger, resentment, mistrust, you know, contempt. All of those things will come through no matter how carefully you try to dress them up in I statements. And conversely, if you are doing well, You won't need all the formal rules because you're doing well and the formal rules are just cumbersome and sort of silly. So the rules are fine as a description of how people are doing when they're communicating well. But teaching them does you no good at all. And in fact, it can actually do harm because then people start arguing about how they're not following the rules right instead of actually saying what they need to say. Right. So that's the premise of my book, basically. That's what I mean by it's not about communication.
2: I love it. I love it. And you know, I believe that 100% to be true as well, because we've been selling real estate for a good 17 years together. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, Bruce, when I go, when we get a, a call, it's most, most of the time couples getting divorced, divorced or separating. So we'll walk into oh, the room, really? I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, thinking to myself, why are they getting divorced? I either feel their energy that they're really good together, or I see that they're, they should have never got together in the first place. And right. then I think about it and I, and I listen and I've been listening and most of the time I, I listen, they over communicate, but in the wrong way, you know, mm-hmm. the, the banging of the doors, their eyes rolling, the, the mumbling underneath their breath. And they're saying to you that there's something wrong, but the right. other person is not listening, you know? So, and then a, a lot of times they're like, oh, we're getting divorced because we don't have a communication. We have a communication problem. We can't communicate together. And I'm thinking to myself, no, it's the opposite. You are actually communicating but you are so such in competition with each other that you don't see that. You know, yeah, exactly. you didn't do this. You, It's your fault. Or this happened because of you. It's like all of this plays a role in that divorce, I believe. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm not a therapist. Like, I, we're not therapists. We've been together right. for 26 years. So we've learned from our experience what works for us, what doesn't work. And communication is not our issue at all. Mm-hmm. What do I you know? like to say it's not... How you're communicating? No, it's, yes, not. Yes, it's not how you're it's,
4: communicating. It's yeah. not how you're communicating. It's what you're communicating. Because you're definitely communicating.
0: Yeah, the how <laughs> follows from the what, and that's the thing. When when what you're communicating is love and respect and compassion and you know caring, all that good stuff, then that will show up in how you're communicating as well. And you know, it, it this is all a lot of stuff that Gottman points out as well. When there's a nice big store of goodwill you know, when there's lots of experience, when, when people's habitual experience of each other is they feel good in each other's presence. Mm-hmm. There's right. all kinds yeah. of room for people being people and occasionally not being so nice or occasionally being in a bad mood or occasionally, you know, bumping into each other one way or another. There's room for that when there's general goodwill. And then, as I say, you don't need rules at that point because there's, there's plenty of room. What couples need to do, which again, Gottman says a lot, lots of experiences of Turning toward each other in very positive ways mm-hmm. is the sort of thing that builds a relationship that will then, you know, they'll feel good about.
3: So yeah, I that. In the podcast, I was listening to when somebody, or I guess you had talked about a certain uh, client or, or uh, um, patient, not client, um, <clears throat> you were saying. I say
0: both, by the way, either one. You, okay, <laughs> sure
3: either one's fine. Yeah. Was, but um, I guess that person was saying that yes, I, I realize now that I am communicating, but what I'm communi- communicating to my wife is that I think that she's an idiot. Or yes, or that, <laughs> exactly. And I, and I see that sometimes when Nina and I argue, not that I'm saying that she's an idiot, but I'm I'm, I'm constantly trying to make her wrong, or she's trying constantly trying to make me wrong. And I guess that's what you mean. Like it's not necessarily about the communication; it's how you how you present it or how you.
0: That's precisely it. Yeah. Yeah, that was such a neat experience, that particular couple, because and that just happened in the last year. I I was in the middle of writing the book and I said, Oh, I have to include this this anecdote. Because they were so thoughtful. And you know, for the guy to come to that conclusion to realize, oh my God, it's not that I'm it's not that I have to figure out how to how to sound respectful. It's that I actually am being disrespectful. He had to recognize that in himself. That took a lot of courage. And, you know, she for her part had to recognize, first of all, she had to not like want to cut his head off or some other bodily part uh, when she realized that. But, but what she realized, the other part of that intro, what I thought was fascinating, because she was smiling when he said that in the session, when he said, oh my God, I do think she's a moron, you know? And she was smiling because she said, yeah, and the trouble is I agreed with him. I thought I was a moron too. Mm. She had received that message very early on. So they both were realizing that they knew better. I mean, they, she turns out she's very intelligent. They both knew that in a different, you know, on a different level. And he was absolutely recognizing, oh, the problem isn't how I'm communicating to her. The problem is I actually have to recognize I don't know better than she does about everything. Mm-hmm. And once he did that, then he could express his opinion, even if it, he disagreed. And she could hear it because he well, wasn't you, putting it
3: down. You actually touched about, about it when you were talking about when you wrote your book. I mean, you're the therapist. You know, you have all the experiences. You know, thirty some odd years, is it. and your wife read the book, and she said, "Oh, maybe you should change a few things." And you did, and you felt it made the book that much better. I mean, she oh, does absolutely, it. yeah. But she's a li- she's a listener. She read it, and she would be uh, uh, essentially a, a reader. Uh, you know, like that you're trying to present the books to. You know what I mean?
2: Well, we are your biggest critiques and biggest fans. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's like-
0: yeah, yeah. Judy Judy read the first draft of the book. And I made lots of changes <laughs> based on her feedback because it was really helpful. She told me what she told me the part where she was falling asleep. <laughs> and I said, OK, gotcha. <laughs> I rewrote you know, that section. I think it's a lot better. It wasn't now. just that section. It was
4: a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> no, but that, you know, that, that's that's the part about being a writer is you have to learn to be able to take criticism and, and feedback and say, you know, the things that you hold so precious, like, you gotta let it go if if somebody isn't get it or if they're gonna say, you know, you want people to pick up that book, you don't want them to say, Ooh, eh, you know.
3: Yes. So, well, you want people to pick up the book, but you don't want it just to be therapists. You want other people to be able to read it and understand it, right? So, right. Exactly. And
4: actually, it's you know, it's both for for therapists and for Non-therapists, yes, late people, anybody
0: everybody, in a anybody couple, in a yeah.
4: couple
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask you who needs to read that book. Somebody just answer that question. Anybody? In <laughs> well,
0: from my perspective, everybody needs everybody, to read the book. Yeah. But really, in terms of yeah, anybody who's in just well, there are folks who are maybe in a couple where it seems to be going fine, and they're just interested in that kind of thing. There's a there's a population of those people. Lots of people who are in a relationship and they're in therapy or considering therapy, and they will benefit because. It'll tell them what they really should look for, rather than what they think they should look for. <laughs> the, the subtitle of the book is "Why Everything You Know About Couples Therapy Is Wrong," which yeah. is a rather arrogant subtitle, if I do say so. And it invites people. And, and I will—I'll give you a spoiler, by the way. Spoiler alert! In the last chapter of the book, I point out everything I know about couples therapy is wrong too, yeah. <laughs> because what I'm saying is, if you think you know for sure, if you're ideological rather than having ideas. That's that becomes a problem that becomes a problem when therapists become ideological. You know, it's it closes your mind like Mm -hmm. I have my favorite ways of thinking about this and I'm going to fit you in that category, whether you like it or not. That does not help people. And so, you know, I'm not claiming I know everything about couples therapy either. Right. But go into it with with sort of an open mindset is, you know, as I say, anybody who is in therapy, who is considering therapy and also therapists themselves who are trying to help people. I think they'll all benefit from it.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So if you say that it's not necessarily about the communication, it's how you communicate, what would be, what would be a few tips that somebody could get from your, your book that would help them better their communication?
0: Yes, indeed. So the, the way you better communication is, is by functioning better in other ways, you know, is getting to the place. And we, we have a, a seven-word formula. That's our our podcast is called Couples Therapy in Seven Words. That really addresses that question: What is it that will help a couple do better? So I made this formula up close to thirty years ago. Now, um, when somebody asked me, "How do you do couples therapy anyway?" What are you basically telling people? You know, and it, he realized this is I was we're kind of on the on our way out of a uh, of a consultation meeting. You know, with some colleagues, and uh, he knew it was a silly question to ask on the way out of the meeting, but. I thought about it and I said, well, I suppose what I'm basically telling people is be kind and don't panic. Mm-hmm. That's only five words if you count Anne. Be kind and don't panic. Because be kind in the sense of kinship. You know, treat someone, if you're in a marriage especially, that they're your kin, they're on your team. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're not just random people thrown together. It's not just a contractual arrangement. It's a family arrangement. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that if you're in a panic. So, a lot, a lot of the work is about being to bump into stuff, you know, where someone you love is hurting you or you're hurting someone you love or you're just disagreeing about something important, and you tend to panic. And when people panic, they cannot hear each other at all. Mm. So be kind to don't panic is basically what I'm saying. Lots of the techniques of therapy are about how do you not panic. And then people will say, "Well, thanks, how do I not panic?" And I realize, well, that's a there there's the tough question. How do I not panic?" And I realized, well, there is a two-word response to that, and it's two words are not sufficient to say it. But there is two more words to add, which is have faith. Be kind, don't panic, and have faith. Because if you have faith, and I'll explain what I mean by faith, that's the antidote to panic. That's how you not panic. So faith, I'm not talking about religious faith necessarily, though it's not inconsistent with religious faith.
2: I was going to say, a lot of people are not religious, so they don't want to use that word faith. What do you mean Exactly.
0: Yeah, they they freak out at the word faith. That's true. A lot of therapists freak out at the word faith, too. I'm using it in a very general way. I'm not excluding religious faith, but, you know, I've known religious folks who who aren't showing faith the way I describe, and I've known non-religious folks who are. So what do I mean by faith? What I mean by faith is a mindset that says this whole existence business, this whole living thing is basically good. It's basically good not basically bad, but basically good. It's a value judgment. You know, it's a it's a mindset that says, okay, here we are, we're having a struggle, we're having an argument, we're having pain, whatever we're having. It's painful, I wish it weren't, but there's something about it that it's based on something fundamentally good. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have these differences for good reason, even when they're painful. It doesn't guarantee that you stay together even. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes pe- what people have to bump into is, Oh my God, there's a deal breaker here. You know, somebody figures out in a heterosexual couple, somebody figures out they're gay. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna work. That's a deal breaker, but people who approach that with faith. I had a couple I worked with not that long ago where um it wasn't he didn't the man didn't figure out he was gay, but he did figure he didn't figure out he was trans either, but he figured out there's an aspect of him that needed to express as feminine. And his wife, who loved him and whom he loved, just couldn't be in a marriage where that was the case it just didn't work for her they were so courageous in in loving each other through that but they divorced Mm -hmm. and they you know they worked through it and they're still as far as i know i mean i haven't seen them for a while but they're you know last i saw they were still family but they weren't married anymore so you know that that's what i mean by manifesting faith when couples come in with uh infidelity issues which is horrendous you know very difficult stuff the ones that will get through that without without breaking up and without going totally to pieces are the ones who are displaying some kind of faith. And faith in that sense manifests as, oh, my God, there must be, even though you cheated and you shouldn't have cheated, and we both think it's wrong, there must be something to it because, you know, you're not a terrible person. Yeah. So we're going to have to actually look at it instead of saying, no, 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 just go back to the way it was. That's what I mean by showing faith. Yeah.
3: Well, actually, it's funny because we did an episode, our last episode, uh, we had people on social media ask us a few questions. One of them was about cheating. How do you get over cheating? And and I asked the question, like, what kind of cheating? Like, there's so many different kinds of cheating. There's, you know, one night, one night stand cheating. There's, you mm-hmm. know, an emotional cheating where you're actually dating somebody. Maybe there's no sex involved. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's sex. And 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 I said, well, what, whatever whatever route that person went... If you want to be in the relationship, what you got to do is look and see what maybe you could change. Not necessarily saying that it's that person, your fault, right. but there's something that needs to be changed. You can mm-hmm. try to change that person or you can change yourself and hope that in hopes that they're going to change themselves as well. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. I yeah. guess I do have a
2: lot of faith in, and and mankind because I'm, I'm that kind of person that would think, you know what, this thing happened. It's the wrong thing, but, there's something better out there. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. always that thing in the back of my mind. Like I grew up in a war most of my, my childhood. I, I was born in Baghdad in Iraq. So throughout those 15 years of war, I always had faith that there was going to be something better, that we we're going to get somewhere to safety, that we were going to get out of this misery that we we're in. That never. And it wasn't that religious. Like my parents were Catholic, but I always felt that there was something more good out there than bad. Mm-hmm.
4: right yeah, yeah so you didn't have that sense of hopelessness no, which a lot neither, of people neither. you know do do find themselves and that's yeah. I think what you're talking about when you say faith yeah that there's something that's fundamentally right to be the, the way it is, but you you can see the light at the end of the tunnel.
0: Yeah, and it means you can work with it instead of panicking about it. yeah right Absolutely. So you, you yes, you're undergoing pain, you're undergoing fear, or whatever. But you can work with it because there's also in that very much the notion of faith says, like in a couple, both parties are valid human beings. Yes. Even when they've messed up, they're valid human beings. And that's, a, I think, really important part of faith as well, because then you can actually. It's, it's interesting. The folks who have done something wrong and seem to apologize in an effective way are often people who feel really bad about themselves underneath, you know? They can't bring themselves to say, oh my God, I screwed up, I'm so sorry, because it feels like annihilation because they're already feeling so bad about themselves. Mm. And so it's paradoxical. In order to make a decent apology, you have to feel basically that you're not so horrible. And then you can feel the guilt, Mm -hmm. you know, the appropriate guilt, because otherwise it becomes intolerable.
2: That's it, I'm using that word from now on. Bruce, my word is faith, because... Throughout 26 years with this man, all the ups and downs, I always had a faith. Okay, there's more good in this man than bad. So we're yeah. going to stay that way. I'm yeah. serious. I always, you know, when there's arguing, when you're arguing with your wife or your husband, and you sit there, you're like, oh, I can't. You either think, I can't take this. This, ha- this has to end. Or right? you say this, I can fix this. I have faith in my abilities. I have faith. That I can do the work on myself and on our marriage to make sure it works. I don't know. That's how I've been thinking about it my whole life. Mm -hmm. So I think, what do you do for the majority of couples that are having issues in their marriage that they can't bring up themselves to do that work and realize, okay, I'm an idiot or she's an idiot. Let's do some work on on our relationship. What do you tell them? Where do they start? Because we get a lot of those questions.
0: Yeah, I I start with, it's funny when I, one of the things, (laughs) i put another plug for the book here. One of the chapters in the book Is called Couples Therapy Under the Hood, where I basically outline my whole first session with folks, which is really quite structured. It's very structured, and then it's like improv after that. It's structured, and then it's not. And the structure that I start with is often by telling people about one of my favorite topics, which is recognizing the needs we're all trying to fulfill in a couple. We're trying to fulfill two different sets of needs, and they're very different. One is our one- set is for stability and the other is for intimacy and they are two different sets of skills required stability skills are all about keeping the anxiety level low you know not freaking your partner out not freaking yourself out intimacy skills are all about tolerating anxiety mm-hmm. It's about being willing to go into the difficult conversation and not. I guess I can say on your podcast, not freak the fuck out, right? I can say. No, hey, no, okay. Yeah, you don't okay. right. <laughs> say. We usually keep ours close to PG, but I've I noticed on yours. are Few through, Sorry. Your, your craft bombs. You can do that. Yeah. So, <laughs>
4: well, actually, you talk a lot about that in your first book.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes, so, I do. Which was
4: reigniting the spark. Why stable relationships lose intimacy and how to get it back. And so I didn't mean to interrupt but I figured I'd throw in a plug for no, that. Too. that one too. Yeah. No,
0: I, I'd spend even more time on I'd spend a
4: lot of time on, on the stability stability. and intimacy. stability. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I actually explained that to couples in the first session and it's funny and I'll say to people look I have this favorite way of structuring the conversation and I realize you know when what you have is a hammer everything looks like a nail you know I have my favorite way of doing it and everything I'll bet this will work for you but the feedback I keep getting is oh that's interesting you know, we hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. Anytime you get people saying, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way, something good is happening, you know, because they're stuck in a way of thinking about it. That's the pain they're in. So right. the stability intimacy bit, they'll say, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. And then they will often say, wow, that that so applies to us. And the symptoms, especially with intimacy, what happens when you, what what stable couples tend to do. Stability is important, of course. I'm not, they're both needs. Right. So, It's important. What stable couples tend to do is, especially if they do things like have kids, it just ups the ante like crazy, they will avoid rocking the boat. Mm. And that means often they will inadvertently avoid intimacy. By intimacy, I don't just mean sex. I mean, lots of different ways of intimacy. They will avoid bringing up a difficult conversation, even if it isn't like, you know, there's difficult conversations like garden variety complaints, you know. I have no complaints with Judy but occasionally she will have complaints with me because I'm the one that causes the complaint. So can <laughs> I and I've learned to listen to that that's it, it, quite quite properly. And she'll bring up something and I, and she's so nice about it and I can hear it and that that works out very well. But a lot of times what people will do even with a garden variety complaint is worry about oh no how is this going to be received and if it has not been received well then that then they'll start getting afraid of it. But not even complaints it could be something like you know I've been thinking I want to go to Florida in the winter or something like that. Here we are. We're, for your listeners, we're in Florida for a few weeks this winter. Um, we live in Vermont, but we're in Florida. Um, but you know, to be able to bring up something, something you're dreaming about, or more, you know, like in in the bedroom. I think I want to try this thing in bed, and I'm not sure if you're going to freak out and think I'm really weird for wanting to try that. You know, to be able to say that and not freak out and raise anxiety to do it. Cause you, you know, you're going to be worried about how your partner is going to receive it. That's an intimacy skill. And if you cut that off, or if you, if you attenuate that, make it less, what happens is the couple acts like, you know, my favorite metaphor here is if you think about a plant, like a, they're paving over a sidewalk and there's some seeds, you know, germinated seeds they paved over. They will try and crack the sidewalk. Because stability is the root system that holds it in place, but intimacy is the energy for growth. And if you try and cut that off from a couple, Mm -hmm. the couple will try and crack the sidewalk. And what it looks like is not pretty. It'll look like things like affairs sometimes. It'll look like fighting over everything and nothing except what they probably are really worried about. It'll look like uh, long silences because they're afraid to talk to each other. It'll look like sex life going down the tubes. Or going down the tubes would be the, the, the <laughs> mixed metaphors. Anytime you bring up sex, everything is a double entendre. You know. So sex life, not going down the tubes, whatever that would be. The point <laughs> is not <laughs> having <sex. laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's that's kind of the idea of stability. So I explain that to folks. And that gets the conversation going. Mm-hmm. And they will, as I say in, in the book, I lay it out in much more detail about exactly what I what questions I tend to ask in a first session. Yeah. And after that, it's it's pretty much improv. And 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 I like to compare it to theater improv. You familiar with improv at all? You ever do yes, it?
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay, great. I, you know, I can imagine the that best from hearing my
2: So we, we see it all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, say again?
2: We missed Some that. of our best friends are actors.
0: Ah, well, yes, ah. exactly. So you're, you're familiar with that. We have actors in our family as well, actually. Uh, of our five kids, um, three of them have acting, are either currently or have acting backgrounds. Oh, nice. And so we're, we're used to actors, too. But the thing about improv is there's always a prompt. Yeah, you know it's not totally unstructured. It's like, okay, here's the scene. You know, I, what was the one you you suggested? We're in a car. Yeah, I put it in the book. Yeah, yeah, it was your It was brilliant. It was yours. You know, you're 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 in a car. You're two people. You're in a car. You're a couple, and you're in a car. And um, your car breaks down, and somebody come in your auto cell range, and somebody comes along and picks you up, and you accept the ride, and they start asking you weird questions. Go. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a, an improv prompt, mm-hmm. and that, of course, if you think about it, is pretty much sort of kind of what happens in therapy. Okay. You know, this weird person picks you up and starts asking you a strange questions. You know. <laughs> so, the thing about improv is there's one rule one and as far as I understand it, there's one rule which is it's always yes and right no matter what weird thing somebody does in an improv session you never say no no we're not going to do that we're going to do this you always go with that and then add something of your own that's what makes improv funny and what happens in therapy I'm claiming is the therapist's job is to provide the yes and it's like wow let's tell let's let's hear more about that because the couple isn't able to do that at first because they're too freaked out
3: Right.
0: So they're not in yes and mode. They're in no damn it mode. <laughs> and the, yeah. the therapist's job is to keep on showing that sort of faith yeah. in the process. And then the couple contend, tends to absorb that faith. And then you get really lively conversations, none of which could have been predicted.
3: Um, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Well, I, to go back on all this stuff you, you, you had just said, you know, one thing you had said uh, about people who argue about certain things or nothing, absolutely nothing. And that's one thing that my daughter says to us: is you guys argue when you guys argue, you always argue about absolutely nothing. You don't understand <laughs> what, it, what you're arguing about, but you're arguing passionately about it. You yeah, argue about nothing.
2: But in our defense, it's a very short arguments. So yeah. It's done in a couple of minutes.
3: I always joke and I say, "Don't yeah. yeah. make up things." Yeah, there you go. And another thing you had said earlier: you said that um, you know you don't have any complaints about her, but she she has a, the, the complaints about you. And I'm like, well, is it you not wanting to rock the boat by not having a complaints?
0: No, I'll tell you what it is. And I'll be totally transparent to that, transparent about that. No, it's actually, it's it's one of my favorite tips. Funny, I have, uh, here's another plug. I have a newsletter. People are welcome to go to my website, brucechalmer.com and sign up for my newsletter. Uh, and one of the things I just addressed, and I think in the very first issue of the newsletter was I put in, you know, pro tip, you know, Never dishonor your spouse, either in public or in private, but especially in public. So if I'm going to tell a story in which one of us is the dingbat, it is always me. Okay. And I say that partly facetiously and partly very seriously. When I told that little bit just then, saying I have no complaints about Judy, she has complaints about me. I would never, in a million years, say a complaint about I have I have about her in public. And frankly, I, I really, I can't think of any, frankly. So I, that, that part honest. And I, know, don't, I
2: don't have very many. A hundred percent. I will actually be talking to girlfriends or they'll be complaining about their husband. I'm like, I can't believe you're actually complaining about your husband. Like ah. words, the words don't come out of my mouth. He is always put on a pedestal, especially in public. Mm. I never ever complain in any way about him because at the end of the day, I chose him to be my husband. I love Mm -hmm. everything about him, whether it's good, bad, ugly. I love it. Yes, You know what I mean? So yeah, definitely. I see women like rolling their eyes or talking about their. I get the same thing with
3: guys too. When I go out, guys, they're bitching and complaining about their wives. Oh yeah. I don't have those kind of complaints. I might, you know, I might have little things that you can say that, uh, you know, that drives you crazy, but they're not complaints. They're not something I don't want her around me. You know what I mean? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's as much a statement about you as about her. Probably even more. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, the, you know, she does this thing and it it confuses me. That's not about her. That's about me. You know. Um, <laughs> and and the other piece, and I think you sort of said it or implied it that that idea when you I think, you Nina, know, when you said, you know, you love everything about him, even even the flaws. You know what really I mean?
3: Was. I think that's a
0: really important part. Even the parts that are areas of friction, I love. Because that's I was just talking with a couple about this uh, earlier today, as a matter of fact, that concept that you love the parts of the person that are the complementary parts, not the identical parts. You know, right. I, it's the, the like the sort of complaints you might have is, hey, would you wipe off the sink, you know, when you get done using it or something like that? You know, and I love the fact that she's that way, you know, being a bit stereotypical, I love her feminine to my masculine. And the fact that it is, yeah, I'm going to be the one to, she's going to have to say, would you please wipe it off? Because she's wiping it off and, or I don't care. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That phenomenon is part of her, of the aspects of her that I'm absolutely head over heels to use the, your right. <laughs> the name of your podcast head over heels in love. with. Yeah. That's, you know, it's all that stuff that I love, even the stuff that occasionally, you know, causes irrit- you know, a moment of irritation. Is the stuff that I love? Yeah, but
4: that—that's the thing. Um, like sometimes, you know, it, I, I now Bruce doesn't do a lot of things that drive me crazy. I will say that right off the top. So <laughs> I know he was trying to—he was trying to be sweet when he said nothing she does bothers me. I don't know the like I bother her, but there are, if there are little things, um, I look at it this way: Am I going to be put out by something that he does that I might not want him to do? Or, I, or I'll say to myself, you know, he does so much around here that helps me. What difference does it make if he leaves, you know, something on the floor or something on the counter? It's like I can pick it up. What he's got to pick up everything, you know. It it it's it's the way I look at it because he does so much that helps me that I don't mind if he does little stupid things either. So it's like it's it's my attitude, and it's like I can either choose to be annoyed. Or just choose to say, you know, he forgot it. So big deal. It's well, not a big deal. I, you will
0: get annoyed. on,
2: Sorry. I said you will get annoyed sometimes. I do get annoyed sometimes, but I sit there and say, you know what? The pros outweigh the cons in him. He's there's yeah. so exactly. much Yeah, as I as mean, as for,
4: good. here's an example. This morning, <laughs> I come into <laughs> the kitchen. <laughs> now, okay, yes, I didn't even <laughs> say anything to him about this, but there's cereal. All over the floor,
0: (laughs) which I don't notice. That's the trouble.
4: He's very unobservant. So am I. But he's (laughs) even worse. And I know he didn't even notice it. And I waited to see if he would notice. And he came (laughs) back in, and he left, and he didn't notice it. And like some of it was kind of ground into the Uh kitchen floor. (laughs) And I said, (laughs) then he went back and he went to work. And I said, I can clean that up. He's number one. He's never going to see it. Number. Do, what am I going to do? Say to him, I'll clean up the floor again." You know, like I'm not his mother, and uh, but I I can clean it up because I know he's going to be doing the dishes later. I'll leave pots in the sink and he'll wash them. I'll say, "Why did you wash my pot?" And, you know, I was going to do these. No, no, no. It's not your pot. It's in our sink. It's my pot too. Like okay, he's such a sweetheart. So what it's going to kill me to sweep up the cereal and, well, you know, and scrub it out of the floor. No, you know what? You,
0: what you're saying, and actually, and and you were you, know, you were saying this too. It's choosing the relationship over any particular way of doing it. Mm -hmm. And look, that Mm -hmm. works when it works. It works when we are fundamentally compatible. I mean, that's what that's about. And I do recognize, you know, unfortunately, I I certainly recognize this. There are folks who get together, two good people who get together, who it turns out just aren't compatible. You know, they're the obvious ways about, as I say, somebody turns out to be gay. Well, sorry, it's not going to work. But then there are the ones about somebody is, like a total slob, and the other is a total nick, and it's too much. You know what I mean? And they just can't accommodate each other. And, you know, that sometimes means bummer, but it's not going to work out well. Mm -hmm. But when you have that basic compatibility, it's just this, um, well, I'll use the buzzword that Gottman uses, positive sentiment override is this fancy way of saying it. (laughs) He says, when there's lots and lots of experiences, I said it earlier, lots of experiences of goodwill, That's exactly what you're saying. Well,
4: that's you can, it. Yes, you I,
0: manage the annoyances, and you choose the relationship instead of complaining about exactly. it. Exactly, and it, it, and we do that a lot, which is and it keeps reinforcing things. Yeah. So you know, I can hear a story like that, and, and my heart goes, I, I now I'm going to realize I'm going to be looking more carefully for the cereal on the floor. <laughs> but aside from that, my heart leaps it at, at, with love because you're you're so you're choosing. You know, that's it's true. It's, it's another common expression. It's turning toward. Instead of turning away,
2: right? It's just amazing, and and you know what? And this is earlier we we're talking about our, uh, being head over heels. This is the reason why we chose that name because throughout our our experience together, throughout our, our ups and downs, which we have a lot of them as every couple th- does, we always felt infatuated with each other, both of us. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we would argue, and a few minutes later, we'd be like, "But I really, I'm crazy about you. Like I'm lovely. you. Like and then it's that infatuation, sort of." when we were trying to talk about our, the name of our podcast three years ago, we're like, what did we come up with? We're like, well, we're always infatuated with one another. Why don't we do something around that? And that's how we came up with oh, Head of the show. show. And you know, that's,
4: that's and it is. comes across, you know, that I will say that you guys come across as having really good, loving energy with each other. And
3: Well, that's one thing that- I noticed about you guys just from listening to a couple of your podcasts and talking to you guys right now. And I actually wrote this down. It was like, you know, I can see that knowing are, knowing that you're, 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 you're so good together and that you're in the, like a, a couples therapist. I mean, most, you, I'm sure you see it. We see it in the, in the field that we are podcasting and all that stuff, relationships. There's a lot of people out there that are preaching how to have a great relationship or how to, you know, find the perfect husband or wife and all, and they're single and they don't, or they're divorced three times and they're, you know what I mean? They don't know. They don't know how to, to use it themselves. It's like and when we
2: feel it, when we're interviewing them, we can feel it, that they're yeah. they don't have the same energy. You know yeah. what I mean? As opposed to you guys, you can see how connected you guys are. They're like
3: going to see a broke money manager. Like you don't want to <laughs> if they don't. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, If you don't know how to do it. How can they tell you? Like you, you obviously yeah. lose a lot from experience and 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 the way you you handle your, your yourself in a let's say argument or a relationship um, dynamic. So I mean obviously, you know, having you as a therapist would help immensely compared to somebody who who's unhappily in their in their relationship.
2: I learned a lot in the last 40 minutes that we were talking to you guys just, just from this. So right. it's it's incredible. This is why we do this show, because we are not therapists or professionals no. in this, but we have a wisdom and experience of 26 years together doing it, and it day in and day out and raising children. So we feel like we have something to say. And then so we're saying what we what our experience are. But by you guys being on our show, we're learning because yeah. we want to make sure this relationship goes for a long time. Yeah. And as good as it is, so thank you for being on our show. Yeah. We really appreciate you guys. Oh, now, delighted! We're we're looking
0: forward to having you on ours actually, and we'll be interviewing you and finding out a lot more about your your <laughs> exactly. history and background and podcast getting that wisdom. You know,
2: thank you. But so, why don't you tell our listeners where to find you guys and about your book, how to get
0: your book? So uh, easiest way. Is to, in terms of the book, if you go to my website, brucechalmer.com, that's B R U C E C H A L M E R, brucechalmer.com, Bruce uh, you'll have all the information there about how to get a hold of the book. You can find it anywhere books are sold. Uh, it's also just yesterday, I will crow. Um, we hit number one bestseller in, so in the category, uh, couples and family therapy on Amazon. Oh my so goodness. Really pleased at that. Yeah, that was that was, that was amazing. Yeah. That's
4: number, amazing. number two in divorce. In that <laughs> number category. two in the divorce
0: category of all things and number three in uh <laughs> clinical psychology. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So
3: was,
0: I was really amazing. pleased with that. So people should go and do it all the us is about if yeah. you want uh, more about the two of us especially you can go to our couples therapy in seven words website it's ctn7.com like couples therapy in seven yeah. and, Ctn7, number seven, number seven. Okay. ctn7.com
2: we'll have all that in our show notes as well for our listeners that's great good
0: well thanks well, we a lot had for a, having us and a lot of fun learning about
3: uh communicating and and, and i like what you had said about uh you know uh not freaking out like fake being kind and not freaking out but Mm -hmm. when you say that in being kind like you said when when we said before that he uh, the guy made his wife look like an idiot what what can somebody do to help in the kind department because i mean you know if nina were to ask me you know hey baby do i do i look fat in these pants and i answered her to say no baby the pants have nothing to do with it
0: That would not be high on my list of recommended responses. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, unless you want to get a,
0: a divorce. <laughs> this is what i will uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what I say in similar situations. If Judy asks me, you know, does this look good on me? And, and And this, again, this is very genuine. I will say, you know, I'm not the best judge because you look beautiful to me no matter what you're wearing. And then I will actually consider. I have actually said that oh, yeah. because i actually mean it. And then I will actually say, but I think the red one's better. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, or whatever. I'll, I'll think about it then. Yeah. But the initial thought—that's genuine. The initial thought is, no, you look beautiful to me no matter what. So I'm not—I'm not the one to ask for fashion advice first. Okay. You know what I mean? I will then offer an opinion if I have one, but it's always going to be based on loving you. Well, it's so not going to be biased opinion. It.
2: I've learned not to ask for this guy anyway. No, but I do answer
3: you. Know, <laughs> and one perfect example is this: uh, you know, Nina and some of the moms in the neighborhood would do something where they would get together once a month and for an excuse to drink, I guess I don't know. And you know, they they started doing it at each other's house. And one time, one girl decided, "I'm gonna rent out this like lingerie store, like close it so we can have drinks in there and try on stuff and blah blah blah." So they all did that, and I was out doing some work, or whatever. And Nina had sent pictures of different outfits. And I was like, yeah, they're nice. They're nice. And later on, she was upset. With me. She's like, because everybody else sent pictures to their husbands and they were like, Oh wow, that's so gorgeous. That's so sexy. And she was, you were like, eh, it's okay. And I said, Oh, okay, well, hang on. I didn't want to say it in front of everybody, but that outfit didn't, didn't accentuate your beauty, essentially. It was a nice outfit. It was lace and everything. But the way it sat on you, it didn't com- uh, compliment you. You're, you're mm-hmm. much hotter than that outfit. And if mm-hmm. I would have said that to her, she, first off, she wouldn't have spent $200 on the damn outfit.
0: That's but, why but,
3: yeah. I was upset. That is why I was upset. <laughs> because I brought that outfit home and never wore it. because, And I
2: spent not to, $400.
3: And
2: uh-huh. I never wore it because this guy did not give me his honest opinion. And I wanted it to him. Uh-huh.
3: If I was in person, it would have been a different thing, but it was on the phone <laughs> and it was just a quick little, you know, not rock the boat kind of thing. So uh-huh. I, said,
2: I rocked my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great <laughs> example.
3: She's like, yeah, I, I see what you're saying now. You know what I mean? It's a it, it's, it's
0: little old fashioned for what she... But
2: liked. everyone there was telling me to buy it because it looked good. I, mean, I guess they don't want me to look
0: good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is interesting, isn't it? It's another... It's an example of one of my favorite ideas also, which is no matter what rule you have, it never works all the time. So there's, <laughs> there's always things like, no matter what clever ideas that I come up with, it's like, mm, except when it doesn't work. You know? It works well, except there's a great example. It's like, ooh, bummer. You know, probably should have told her. You know, who knows? You right. couldn't know that until, until it happened.
3: Well, those are thoughts that came in my head and I wanted to finish it before we got out with you guys. But, okay, yeah. so you were saying where we can find you, find you found your, your website or anything. What about social media? Do you have any... Social media.
0: Yeah, network. we have uh, Dr. Bruce Chalmer on Facebook. And we're yeah. at this point, I mean, I have an Instagram, but I would just go to Facebook and, and search for Dr. Bruce Chalmer. Okay. Uh, you'll find, yeah, our social media presence is there as well. Very good. Very oh, good.
3: Perfect. And your podcast is everywhere you listen to podcasts as well. I think I saw it on a few different platforms myself. So.
2: That was good yeah. Yeah.
0: We happen to be on the same server, uh, Podbean, as, as you are. Yeah, you um, go. Go. So we're, we're on there too. But yes, I'd uh, like, Anywhere you can find a podcast, you can mm-hmm. find us. We do both video and audio. I you think do? Spotify only does the ones Spotify. that we did that are just audio. So some of the video ones don't show up on Spotify. But if you're if you're looking for our podcast, go to our website and that's the easiest way to find it. Ctn7.com.
4: And you also have a YouTube channel with
2: some of I do have a yeah, Bruce
0: Chalmer YouTube channel as well that has that that'll actually post the, the podcast episodes as well. Them, uh, Absolutely. On we'll,
2: we'll put that all in the show notes. Well thank you, thank you, thank you again. It was a pleasure right. having this conversation. Oh, thank you. Friends. This and, was fun. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk to you guys again soon. Well, next We'll month. look forward
0: to it. Yes. <laughs> we'll it's
3: talk to you next time. For People out there to see that maybe they, they, they didn't succeed in their first marriage, that you can absolutely succeed and have a wonderful marriage in a second marriage.
4: Absolutely.
3: absolutely.
0: It is indeed possible. We know it.
3: <laughs>
4: okay. Love is better the second time around, as they the say. The <laughs> have, have faith. Good work, Have come faith. Out. Have Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Bye.